Blog Talk Radio. Oh, baby. Woo, daddy. Let's go. The RIC and Joe Show. I'm glad you know I got my voice back. I'm ready to roll, baby. Back at it again. It's the 2016 NFL draft process. Let it begin. And to do that, we welcome in the star of your show. Of course, I'm your host, Rick Saratella. But joining us now on the MyFantasyLeague.com hotline, what do you say, Joe? Ready to talk a little 2016 NFL draft? And you know what? Let me break it down for him again because I got to click in his audio. <laughs> what up, Joe? <laughs> Oh, man, I love it. 2016, uh, let's just get at it. It's a QB's league. I think we're starting it off right. So, uh, yeah, this is – I mean, I don't I don't care when other people start it up. We do it the day after the third day of the draft. Oh, baby, 353 days to go to the 2016 NFL Draft, but who's really counting? NFL Draft Bible's counting. Follow us on Twitter at NFL Draft Bible. If you got a question for the show, you can tweet us. We're always live. Matter of fact, let me get that out there right now to the people. We are the people's champions. So if you have a question, I got the chat room open. You can ask us in there. And uh, we'll be bringing you the positional breakdowns during the football offseason. So if you're thirsty for a little bit of uh, draft talk during the dog days of summer, we're going to break it down position by position, starting with the quarterbacks today. Everybody loves to talk about the big gunslingers, guys we can franchise with. And, Joe, I know – you and I talking off the air have a little bit different perception about the 2016 draft eligible quarterback prospects. So I'm just going to put you on the spot right here, right now, my man, the number one overall quarterback draft eligible for this conversation currently taking place is. I'd have to say it's it, for me, it's Cardale. If he declares I'm a Cardale Jones man, we don't know what's going to happen. But, I mean, if I had to limit to the senior class, it would be a different answer. But as far as the underclassmen that could come out, he, he almost came out last year. But I just see so much of, like, a, a Roethlisberger kind of clone in this kid. He's just that big, running, powerful player, uncanny explosiveness for a guy that big. Um, he's aggressive, too. He runs with a chip on his shoulder. I mean, he's looking to punish people. The, he's also got the arm talent. He throws a beautiful deep ball, but, and you know, by no means is he a finished product, and I'll admit there's very limited film on him, which we both know scouts hate that. Uh, I don't want just a few games. I want two seasons. I want a handful of stuff. And uh, right now it's just uh, it's a difficult forecast, but I'm telling you, it's just he has that rare athleticism and the deep ball to keep defenses honest. And I believe if he would have come out last year, at least a day two pick at the latest. Some, some believe first round, but I think he's he's a lock for the top ten if he comes out this year. And that would be the – if you know, Put me up, down to my head right now. If I had to pick my top quarterback, uh, I'm just going Cardell. Yeah, and you know what? If he came out for the 2015 NFL draft, that would have been the biggest story of the draft. It would have just been fascinating to see, because as you mentioned, just three or four games of starting of experience, but the best three or four games you're going to see just about any college quarterback play 
And I even, I'll take it back to uh, UCF, Dante Culpepper coming out. This guy is a, a better version of Dante Culpepper, in my opinion. So uh, I agree. I think there's no way he doesn't come off the board before Garrett Gray's quarterback in this year's draft class. Who knows? Maybe ahead of Mariota, uh, for all we know. But I, I think he was definitely a first-round pick. Now, where the, the water gets a little bit muddy, cloudy skies above, all of a sudden, yeah. you got, you know, some talk JT Barrett might be starting this year. So, I mean, as funny as it sounds, he may be the backup quarterback going into the season. And now you're hearing, you know, a little bit of whisper about Braxton Miller transferring and Everett Golson maybe going to Florida State or in Alabama. We'll talk about how that impacts their uh, draft stock. But sticking with Cordell Jones, I mean, I, I see him uh, as possibly the number one overall pick if he if – he, starts and continues to play the way he has, I can easily be sold as him being not only the the top quarterback, but also the number one pick in the 2016 draft. If he declares, he's got, you know, uh, two years of eligibility left. You know, if he decided to stay in school, if JT Barrett was the starter this year, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see. He's the biggest X factor when you talk about potential top quarterbacks, uh, the guy that I'm looking at right now, and I'm going to put an asterisk next to his name, Joe, is Christian Hackenberg from Penn State. Hmm. This kid is all over the board, and I'm going to compare him to kind of like a Matt, Matt Ryan coming out of Boston College where if you look at the supporting cast around this kid last year, it was terrible, as Charles Barkley would say, terrible. But, I mean, you know, I think that a lot of the and, – and, and, you know, you, I, I always – Remember Bill Parcells' knack for finding a starting quarterback. He always talked about, uh, you know, game started at the college level, experience, completion percentage, high completion percentage. And the quarterbacks that we're talking about with the top spots don't have that. And maybe that's a new wave of quarterbacks at the collegiate level. Cardell Jones, not really experienced. Hagenberg, it's, you know, the completion percentage, some of the throws, uh, just the consistency is going to be picked apart. And we saw some of it with Winston this past year, but I think it applies more to Matt Ryan because Ryan didn't have a big supporting cast coming out of Boston College. Similar to Hackenberg, I think we'll see that Penn State supporting cast step it up this year. they got a couple of playmakers. Demarcus Robinson, I'm expecting big things from the uh, kid from Jersey Blacknell. He were originally uh, committed to Rutgers and switched to Penn State. James Franklin uh, stealing some kids here in Jersey, but – I think Hackenberg, he's in the driver's seat when you talk about the intangibles, the measurables, the experience. Uh, to me, I think he's the most polished, ready-to-step-in-immediate guy. But I said it comes with an answer, Jill, because I could very well be convinced Cardell Jones is the number one quarterback. However, I cannot be convinced this next guy that we're going to talk about is the number one pick. And I do think he'll go in the first round because, uh, listen, everybody's looking for – a pro-style pocket passer like a Connor Cook at Michigan State who uh, also brings a lot of starting experience now. You talk about a body of work, a resume, a pro-style system, a smart quarterback. Connor Cook is the other quarterback, I think, in this draft class when you talk about top ten potential. I think he's right there in the mix. Oh, absolutely. With uh, Cook, you know what you're getting. That's the best part about him, uh, and he has. But the opposite of Cardale Jones, 
uh, plenty of film to go back and look at. And, and from that system, coaches will feel confident. Scouts will feel confident. you got to like his intangibles, his confidence. He's actually got a really chippy attitude in the interviews. I've heard him talk. I mean, the confidence bordering on uh, egotistic, I don't know, but uh, I like his style. you got to have that edge about you as a QB, and uh, he definitely has it, but I would agree he's not – He's not going to get up to the top pick. I don't think he's the first quarterback off the board, but he fits in the first-round conversation because, once again, it's more of a known commodity is what he appears at this point, like from football intelligence and toughness. He's played through some really big hits, uh, mental awareness. I mean, he just seems to be ready to play now. Uh, Definitely a first-round grade, but I would put Hackenberg ahead of him too. Hackenberg, like you said, it's just – it could go either way right now. And I think a lot of his struggles and turnovers and mistakes last year, you got to, you know, going from Bill O'Brien's pro style offense and then James Franklin just gets there. A lot of things change. And I agree with your argument on a supporting cast. It'll be a lot better. Some super sophomores like Deshaun Hamilton and DeAndre Thomas have something mm. to say about it too. So, I mean, I think he's got targets, those, those, uh, suspension penalties will be over with. So, yeah, the the three top quarterbacks, they'll have a state at the end of their college. Hey, now. Joe Everett, Rick Saratella, breaking it down, telling you like it is for the 2016 NFL draft. We're going to break it down position by position right here during the offseason. We're also going to be doing some team previews, recapping the NFL draft classes, free agent classes, maybe some recent free agent signings. There's a list of best available free agents right now over at the NFL com website, getting ready for the relaunch over there. Really excited about that. Uh, any feedback opportunities you want to provide us with a new platform to host our radio show, get at me, RIC at NFL com. Definitely would love to move off the blog talk radio platform. We have a lot of followers here, so we'll keep it here for right now, but definitely looking for a solution with that. So hit us up. RSC at NFLDraftBible.com if you can help us out with that. All right, Joe, uh, how about some guys here? Every year I always go back. I remember the year Carlson Palmer was the number one overall pick, and he wasn't even on the Blesto or National Report. And you talk about a main school coming out of USC, and the scouts didn't even have him pegged as a top prospect. He winds up going number one overall in the draft. Who are some potential quarterbacks? We talked about JT Barrett from Ohio State. Who are some potential quarterbacks that maybe aren't on that first-round radar right now currently as we speak but could definitely sneak into the first-round conversation? I'm looking squarely at Joshua Dobbs in Tennessee. Um, I think this guy snuck up on a lot of people the last five games. And you look at Tennessee's roster, guys. We're turning wow. 10 starters on offense. We're turning eight starters on defense. This Dobbs kid, he has a chance to be, I think, first round for sure. The way he finished, uh, it was 4-1, 4-2. But the last five games is where he really just excelled. He's like a Colin Kaepernick with this uh, mobility. He's got, I think he's even quicker, but he's also got the arm, and the kid is extremely intelligent. He's an aerospace engineering major. His uh, coursework is just unreal. Physics, astrophysics, all kinds of stuff. I mean, uh, terrific family background. So you got to love his intangibles. But the escapability, the maneuverability for his size and length, I'm t- just a 
picture of Kaepernick, the way he throws on the run, uh, he keeps his eyes downfield, how well he scrambles. I'm just a huge fan of Dobbs. I think the arm strength, the torque, he's got it all to make the NFL throws. It's just right now he's a raw ball of clay. But in, in Tennessee, with all this going for him, I think they boast one of the finest players in the entire SEC in running back Jalen Hurd. To, you know, we'll be talking on yeah. him in future podcasts. But uh, this Dobbs, I'm telling you what, he's going to be a major riser in this uh, whole NFL draft landscape, whereas some people may not be making a noise about him. But he's, he's got a bright future. Yeah, good call with the Volunteers. I look for them to be one of the most improved teams in the nation, serious contenders. And, you know, the next episode we'll be breaking down running backs. And Jalen Hurd, I can't help but to throw out the Eddie George comparison. And, you know, Joe, I was never really big into the comparison thing, but, you know, people like it. And, you know, somebody said it best, I think, you know, when you scout players, it's it's almost like the study of movement. So, you know, you're, you're watching these guys when you look at their athleticism from a scientific standpoint. If you watched enough NFL in your life, somebody, everybody's going to remind you of somebody in some shape, form, or manner. And, you know, Jalen Hurd, Eddie George, same kind of size, same kind of upright running style, but also ferocious, uh, keeping the legs churning. But this is a quarterback show. Joe Abbott, Rick Sarantel, you got to keep it, keep it on the road here, Joe. You know what I mean? Let me get, grab my head, pop it on back to my shoulders because obviously, obviously we're jumping all over the board. But, you know, everybody's out there crying about the Patriots and the Flategate. We're here breaking down the 2016 NFL draft. It's 353 days away. Whew, get down with the get down, show down, throw down. Let's go, baby. Um, all right, Joe, how about some guys? I'm going to throw out some of these mid-tier quarterbacks that I'm looking at. Tell me which one of these guys jumps out to you as a potential starter at the next level. A lot of people seem to like Jared Goff out of California. He's got the NFL size, the starting experience. Uh, got a lot of things going for him, obviously. Jeremy Johnson in Auburn, I think you talk about another one of these uh, dual-threat guys, but obviously the size to stay and, and be an effective pocket passer. Gunnar Keel is another guy we followed from his days at Notre Dame, now with Cincinnati. I was Quite honestly, you know, Cincinnati was always that 12 o'clock game here on the East Coast. More often than that, I was kind of disappointed with Gunnar Keel this past season. I, I felt like he should have did more. Uh, and then just two other guys I'll throw out there. Uh, I know your boy in Indiana, Joe, Nate Sudfeld. You, you threw him out there on a podcast last year, and I watched up on some Indiana football, and I, I really like what he brings to the table. I think he could be a definite riser here for the 2016 draft class. And then one more guy that kind of stuck out to me back to the SEC uh, in Kentucky, that kid Patrick Talis. I mean, uh, still a work in progress, still trying to figure out how to put it all together. Uh, But I think the the tools are definitely there for the kid from Kentucky to possibly emerge as a legitimate prospect as well. Uh, Any one of these guys you prefer more over the others? Well, uh, of all those names, I think on the, the NFL evaluators list, probably as highest as Goff. Uh, he's really come a ways last year, gifted athlete. He's got mobility. Uh, he's actually a nifty pooch punter, too. Uh, tough kid. He's 
stays right in the gun barrel, stares down, delivers the football. So he's he's probably pretty high in the radar. But you know me, uh, Gunner Keel, I'm going to take my Hoosier boy from Columbus, Indiana. Uh, he did spurn my Notre Dame fighting Irish. Uh, but he's got the pro size. He's got arm strength. The only downside, he's extremely mistake-prone, much like our other Hoosier quarterbacks, Jeff George and Jake Cutler. He will force the football into a window the size of a pea. And I don't understand, like, just almost too confident, braggadocio, whatever he's got. Keel, he's got the intangibles you like, but also, I think, overconfident. Uh, he's dealt with his fair share of injuries as well. So uh, he's got his knocks, but... I see a pro-ready passer, and, you know, he's gone through a lot of offenses. So this is a guy I think has got a lot of upside. But um, And then also just comment real quick on this Jeremy Johnson. You know, I don't think people realize he's going to be a lot more of a passer than Marshall. And you look at what he's got to work with, there's a lot of offense there. Duke Williams, pretty fancy receiver. So that's a guy that he could be a riser uh, to where later podcasts all of a sudden he's – firmly ensconced in the draft conversation. But, yeah, Gunnar Keel's my guy of all of these players. I still think uh, he's got the most arm talent, and it's just he needs to have a really strong season. But if he does, he could declare and uh, possibly approach the first round. Who knows? Stranger things have happened. Yeah, well, hey, I was just going to say, you know, some of those throws you're talking about almost reminds me of, like, Mark Sanchez where – you know, he's doing so good, looking so good, then all of a sudden just makes that throw. Like, you don't even belong out there on the field. What are you doing? Um, so, but, you know, Sanchez was the first-round guy. The Jets actually traded up. I think they made him the third overall pick. Uh, a couple other guys we left out. Jeremy Johnson, too. I mean, if we're here 353 days from now, Joe, and talking about him as the number one overall pick, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too far-fetched of a scenario. I've, I've seen a lot of crazier things happen. We just mentioned the Carson Palmer story. Um, a couple other guys we haven't mentioned yet. Cody Kessler is another guy getting some preseason hype. Uh, I know Dak Prescott from Mississippi State is, is another guy people throw in the first round mix, and I'm not so sure about that myself. He almost declared this year, and that would have been a hell of a draft story when he got his ass handed to him at that concert down there. I think he was in Florida, or whatever happened. But you know, you want to see some footage of him really getting brutally beaten, uh, definitely, you know, I don't know the whole situation, the details of the story, whether they were provoked or not, but it just was not a good situation. Not a good look for Dak Prescott, but uh, I, be- I bet it was humbling, though. <laughs> hey, oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> you know, and then another guy I want to throw out there, Joe, who I think is um, faking the funk on a lot of people and, he got it kind of got over on me for a while, and then I watched him more and more last year. Kevin Hogan from Stanford. Uh, you know, the more you watch, the more you even wonder if he's going to be drafted. In, in my opinion, uh, and then one other guy, I'll let you throw out some names out there. Anybody within cover? West Lunt started off at Oklahoma State, now at Illinois. Had some injury issues, but big six foot five gunslinging quarterback in West Lunt. So. Those are some other draft-eligible guys that I kind of saw uh, with a draftable grade, and we're going to toss it over to Joe Everett for some other guys and then maybe even throw out a small school sleeper or two. Well, as far as Dak Prescott, I agree. I'm glad he came back. He's in a good situation. It's a strong program, and I don't I don't see it as much either. But I also like West Lunt. And Illinois is another program. There's there's a lot of talent there. They've just got to get their ducks in a row. But um, 
as far as a guy I'd make a case for, um, I'm still – I don't think the jury's out on Trevon Boykin yet. I mean, some people may say, oh, he's just a college scheme player, but – I saw some throws from TCU last year that Boykin, in my opinion, has a chance to play at the next level. There's a lot of arm talent there. Um, he's clearly athletic enough, you know, converted wide receiver, but he's kind of gone that route of Ryan Tannehill. He's not as a big of a player, but he has just serious potential with his movement skills just based on that alone. And I don't I don't think he's just a, a running quarterback. He's got that arm. He can throw a frozen rope, and there's a great supporting cast, and you know, it's being a strong college football teams, man. There's a lot of chips over on the Horned Frogs at TCU this year. Mm. I, I think uh, Boykin could have a really strong season and put himself on that landscape and, and put himself ahead of those Kevin Hogan's or other guys that have kind of fallen down the wayside like Dak Prescott, uh, to whereas Boykin has some serious potential. I think um, that that's a guy that needs a, a whole other year just get some more good film out there. Not first round by any means, but he could vault himself in the day three conversation, day two, to where a, a team likes him enough as a developmental prospect and say, hey, he could be our starter two or three years down the road. Yeah, good call on uh, Boykin there, Joe. And i got to take a, a brief time out here for the unofficial sponsor of the NFL Draft Bible Podcast. God bless Belgium. Well, the chimney, huh, let me get some of that good stuff. Reminds me of a time when my friend Jamarcus handed me a glass called something like uh, Purple Drink. Pretty good stuff here, Joseph. <laughs> Jamarcus <laughs> hey, loves it. So, <laughs> hey, so listen, you know, we like to have a little fun here with the podcast because we're hitting you with hard-hitting analysis, NFL draft talk, you know, it's almost like uh, trying to make it fun for the teacher's class over here. But listen, I always love the small school guys. And I was watching the other night, up late night, early morning, whatever you want to call it. And I'm just watching this kid, Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz. Kid looks like a player, Joe, six foot five, 240 pounds. You, you watch North Dakota state. He's rolling out. He's, winging it and slinging it on the run. He's thrown across his body, zipping it into windows. I mean, and he's doing what he's supposed to do, dominating the competition and and uh, winning championships, going to the championships. And, and uh, I think this kid, he might be the best small school quarterback prospect since, dare I say, Joe Flacco, and which is, believe it or not, 10 years ago, which is crazy. Well, I, I think I see much more arm talent from a Flacco. Um, he's rare. He's a rare bird. Uh, but Wentz, you know, I watched uh, a couple games, uh, watched the bowl game last night. Uh, he's He's got that imposing frame, but I worry it's almost he's too reliant as his ability to runner. As he, is he much of a thrower? And decision-making sometimes is uh, – he, he just appears to invite contact on too many occasions. In the start right. of that bowl game against <laughs> Illinois State, two fumbles lost. And, I mean, I just wonder how he dives in there. It's like, well, big guy, you got a long game ahead of you. It's the first quarter. Might want to step out of bounds. I know he wants to make right. a statement, but I'm just wondering about – He's uh, he seems to be more of a developmental guy and uh, I don't see, yeah, you know, like we said, this is second, third day, maybe just third day, but uh, solid prospect, late rounder. Not sure if he separates from other similar quarterbacks like uh, Utah's Travis Wilson, 
or the Memphis uh, Lynch, the Paxton Lynch. Um, these seem to be the same system guys that I'm wondering if Wentz is in that boat. If I've got a vote for a small school quarterback, I'm getting I'm giving it to my injured guy, uh, Brandon Duty, Western Kentucky, um, that okay, Florida yeah. native man. I like him yeah, a they lot. Got a, they, uh, got an, they got an explosive offense over there. Oh, that's all they do is score points because they don't play any defense. Uh, the Hilltoppers don't have a de- – <laughs> sorry for <laughs> any of the Hilltoppers listening, but uh, I just like this kid's style. Uh, he lost two years to season-ending knee injuries, but the last two seasons he came back, played well. He got his medical hardships, so he'll be a six-year senior this last year. I love his awareness in the pocket. He's just got these great feet. He does a good job climbing that ladder. He finds lanes, and he exposes windows and coverage. He just Joe Cool back there. Um, I don't think he's going to be any kind of you know first-round draft pick by any means, but I think he's going to sneak into the conversation on third day just because of what he's done offensively. And if he could just do a rinse, wash, and repeat on his outstanding 2014 season, then, yeah, he's, yeah. he's definitely going to be drafted because uh, – like you said, this West Kentucky offense, they got a ton of players surrounding him. He's just got to, oh, yeah. once again, you know, I'm knocking on wood for him. Stay healthy, Brandon Duty. Yeah, and then their and their wide receivers are like big tree trunks out there. You get inside the red zone, they got big six foot four, six foot five wideouts in that offense. So, you know, if you're living out in Vegas, uh, I would say take the over with Western Kentucky this year. <laughs> Been 12 times over, probably 70% of the time it'll come in for you. Um, all right, let's see. We're running out of time, Joe, so I want to see, you know, give the people here something to talk about, as many players as we can possibly cover. Uh, we mentioned the transfer possibilities, and, you know, you got an interesting transfer over at Louisiana Tech and Jeff Driscoll coming over from the Gators. Um, also, now there's talk about uh, Everett, Everett Dolson uh, possibly transferring to, you know, there's a list of 10 schools. Notre Dame is not going to allow him to transfer transfer to an in-season opponent for the upcoming year, which I think is kind of petty, but um, looks like he <laughs> could land in Florida State. Looks like he could land in Alabama uh, Braxton Miller, another possible transfer. You know, let's categorize these three players. What do you see here, especially with Golson and Miller? These are two guys very hot on the NFL radar just a season or two ago. Yeah, and I don't know why a Braxton Miller wouldn't go knocking on LSU's door. It just seems mm. they always have question marks there. But also, right. you know, FSU, even – what about pulling a Russell Wilson and going to Wisconsin? I mean, sorry, Joel Stave fans, but I, I dare say yeah. Braxton Miller would be a step up, or even <laughs> even Golson. But I, yeah, it seems to me that uh, Golson to FSU makes a sense. Uh, and like you said, Notre Dame is petty. Uh, that's ter- it's in all their prospects waivers. Uh, a Stanford, you could never go play to Stanford or USC. I think is about two of the schools that blatantly you cannot ever transfer. It's like you have to sign a form. I, I, I think that's ridiculous. But uh, if Golson goes to FSU, then he also takes a big step up from you know South Bend to NFL franchise number 33 or 34, however you want to rank him. So, uh, yeah, I hope Golson does go to the Seminoles because you know, he could uh, stick it to Kelly uh, for that one. But once again, though, it's uh, – I think of the two of these guys that's the NFL prospect to be Miller. I'm more intrigued to see where he goes and, and what kind of 
film he could put out there for uh, the, the evaluators just to get his stock back up because, you know, missing a year, I don't care how good you are, that hurts you. Yeah, and, uh, you know, unfortunately for Sean McGuire at Florida State, he probably uh, was looking forward to the opportunity starting there. And Rex, uh, Everett Golson, uh, great opportunity, to, especially with that supporting cast, to uh, boost his draft stock. And uh, that, that cast of characters can really make him look good. So I'm looking at some of the other guys, you know, maybe uh, before we get into some future watch guys, Joe, uh, open the floor to some guys in the future we should keep our name on. But I'm just looking at any other guys we want to throw out there, maybe a Will Gardner from Louisville, a Marquise Williams from North Carolina could sneak onto the NFL draft radar. But otherwise, uh, I think we've, we've pretty much covered all the draft-eligible quarterbacks. Uh, before we roll on to a future draft, did you want to throw out any other names, or, or should we shift gears to the future? Uh, like you mentioned, Marquise Williams, that's definitely somebody needs to be brought to the table. It's another guy, that what he does this year. Um, and then also I, that other fellow I brought up, to the, uh, Paxton Lynch. I, I like that Memphis uh, quarterback. He might be once again, another guy that could uh, has a strong season, puts himself on the map. Uh, I, I think we pretty scraped the surface of it as far as folks that are going to be drafted. But, yeah, that Lynch, boy, he's a tall, big drink of water. It's uh, another guy that as the NFL becomes more pass-reliant and spread, you get these bigger quarterbacks that becomes more of a difficulty for the defense. I mean, you just can't uh, – you have to make a business decision on a six foot six, two 230-pounder. Yeah, you know, and that's a good call by you, Paxton Lynch, Memphis quarterback. You heard it here first. Joe Everett never leaves a stone uncovered. Uh, digging in the digging in the crates uh, is what I like to do. NFL Dress Bible is who we are. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, Facebook, now on Instagram. We're all over the map, folks, and uh, we've got a lot of great, exciting news and announcements coming up in 2015. Uh, we're going to bang you over the head with NFL draft news, analysis, podcasts, videos. Look out for the new website. Everybody's really excited about that. And uh, before we wrap it up here, we'd be doing you injustice if we didn't do what we do. And uh, that's talk about the future. So beam me up, Scotty, Joseph, my friend. Uh, who are some of the guys maybe not draft eligible this year, 2016, but some guys we should be on a lookout for the radar in the future, my friends. Well, I think the whole college football world's looking at Deshaun Watson at Clemson. Uh, this this kid's an insane athlete. He's got all the arm talent in the world. He's super explosive. And, you know, Clemson, supporting cast, it's always going to be there. Uh, Swinney does a tremendous Steve. recruiting job. And then... Also, the mm -hmm. uh, the defense, they're going to keep them in games. Venables, that's one of the best DCs in all of the land. I'm still shocked he's not uh, coaching them up in the NFL, maybe one day soon. But, uh, you know, I'll, I could go on and on about Watson. He's just uh, – he's really legit, but it's injuries. Can he stay healthy? If uh, if he stayed healthy last season, who knows what Clemson would have done. So that's yeah. the biggest wild card, I think, of the college football season entering, entering next year. But one of the guys I'm loving, uh, uh, Mason Rudolph, Oklahoma State. 
that that's a guy I think really came on towards the end of the year, and that's another team on the up and on the come. Uh, as far as Rudolph, quick, quick release. You see, he's got the placement. He's a spread quarterback. Some people argue the system, and what what has Oklahoma State produced? Uh, and I can't say much to that, but I, I like the velocity he's got. He can put it on a line. He's an effective pocket passer. Not a strong runner, even though he's from spread, but uh, he's got enough athleticism to escape and to get outside, and he throws on the run extremely well. This is a guy that he's it's going to take another year of development, but I think there's got to be a lot of evaluators kind of staring at him this year. It's like, does he take that extra step up? Because I think he's going to uh, go to a lot of talented players. And then last one, Kyle Allen, Texas A&M. Uh, he hosted yeah. Kenny Trill, uh, sent him packing to TCU. So now it's all his story. And um, that, speaking of great recruiters, I mean, this Someone's doing a fabulous job there. The, the Aggies are a strong team, and Allen really finished last year. It's another guy. Just I'm looking for guys that are entering into 2015 uh, with some steam, and Kyle Allen definitely has that. So those would probably be my top three non-draft eligible guys I'm looking at. Yeah, and, you know, you hit the nail on the head with, uh, with the kid out of Clemson. I think uh, Deshaun Watson, I mean, you can argue that he's the top – NFL prospect in in all of college football. It's just that uh, he's not going to be eligible for 2017. He actually has uh, let me see here. He actually has two years of eligibility left. So here's a guy who could potentially be the number one overall pick in the future. And when we talk about the future, I can't help but to mention one more other guy. Uh, it's been a while since the U has put out a quarterback, right? Uh, Vinny Testaverde. Uh, who do we have in between there, Joe? We, you know, refresh the memory. But how about Brad Kaya? <laughs> yeah, Bernie Kozar. <laughs> but Brad Kaya, I can't help but to think with the, the potential that this kid flashed if you watch some of the Hurricanes games this past season. He brings this, the, the size, the intangibles. Uh, from what I've seen, it, it appears he can make all the throws. And another one of these kids who has two years of eligibility got thrown into the mix as a freshman. And Brad Kaya could be the best uh, quarterback prospect to come out of Miami in quite some time. So that's the last guy I'm going to throw out there on the table and, and, and bang the table for. And I think, you know, looking at the NFL Draft Bible Big Board, which we will have rankings on the new NFL Draft Bible website, and we're not going to just rank the draft eligible guys, but, you know, the guys we talked about, future guys and current guys and next year and this year and future years, we're going to rank all the prospects according to just draft-eligible, pro-ready prospects, regardless of draft class. So you're going to be able to find all this good information with their height, weight, 40s, draft class, schools, scouting reports on the new NFLDraftBible.com. You want to get involved with anything from sponsorships to scouting to writing? We are definitely looking for people across the country uh, to get into as many stadiums as possible to cover college games, NFL games, looking for those hungry, thirsty people. And uh, we're willing to work with anybody who has a uh, good attitude, a good background, and wants to be a part of a winning team because that's what we do here at NFL Draft Bible. Believe me when I tell you, uh, 2015 into 2016 is going to be huge, huge, huge. Looking forward to it. 
Uh, any last parting shots, Joseph? I'm going to cut. You know, sometimes you got to take the axe out, like Friday the 13th over here, like Jason, <laughs> and just cut my head off, bro. Like, pull the yank, like a Showtime at the Apollo with the with the cane. Just yank me off the stage, bro. <laughs> Shut me up, man. I mean, get me out of here. But any parting shots for the people before we let them go? I looked over, I saw the sad man. He was stretching, man. <laughs> now, I've got some uh, good fantasy football stuff coming up, the Dynasty Top 100 uh, with the NFL teams coming out, and then also IDP Top 100. So you, you fantasy footballers, that's coming in the next month. Look for that. It uh, It's out there. Take, take it for what you want. Just don't use it against me in my keeper league, all right? Yeah, exactly. That's why I tell everybody except the owners of my fantasy football league uh, about our stuff. But hey, you know, if you look, if you're if you're a fantasy football player, dynasty league player, I'm actually going through our rookie draft in our dynasty league right now. I'll post the draft results uh, so you can get an idea if you want to use that as a research tool. Look out for that on the NFLDraftBible.com. Of course, we're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Can't stop, won't stop. Don't even know how to stop. Uh, we don't sleep here at the NFL Draft Bible. For the latest and the greatest, that was the NFL Draft guru, Joe Everett, breaking it down, man. Nobody does it better. Never leaves a stone uncovered. I was your host, Rick Saratella. Another episode in the books, people. I'm telling you, we're going to break it down position by position. We're counting you down to the 2015 football season leading up to the 2016 draft. 353 days away, okay? You with me? Let's roll. Oh, yeah.